Christmas. Are you ready for Christmas, Phil? No. Have you gotten the Santa suit all all nice and ready? No. Shh. I think we ruined the magic last year. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm doing it again. Um. Oh yeah, we should really dry clean that thing. <laughs> That's probably. It's just been in room thirteen collecting fucking mold. Mold. Um, yeah. We got like a week. You know, you're good. Yeah. I mean. I usually like Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. It's also incredibly like stressful build up. To one, could I've got an extra job? Yeah. And two, with all the presents. Um, and three, I have no money. So, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know, but making a film is expensive. Expensive. That's what people <laughs> kept saying when we were at the bar afterwards. They were joking about, "Oh yeah, fuck, you got a tab going." I'm like, I have no money. All my money you saw went on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen it. It's there. So, but it was nice because everybody just bought me drinks. That's good. good. Can't complain. Yeah, nice and tipsy. Yeah, yeah. a bit too much. <laughs> just a little. Yeah. We're recording this like again. This is like last week's. It was just after. It's the day after Thanksgiving. But yeah, we, we were recording this direct. Like it's two days removed from Phil's premiere. And I was like so tired the next day. I missed the fucking like last tubes. I was trying to get out of there before oh, the last shit. tubes. I missed them and I had to like get on a fucking bus and I didn't get home oh. until like two o'clock. Oh, and I shit. like I didn't I don't drink anymore, so luckily I wasn't like hungover, but still mm. I was just like so tired yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably a good thing I had Recovered. chicken instead of turkey, you know, like I would have been <laughs> a zombie today. So Yeah. But you know, yeah. tint the season to get to loppy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it mm. is. Yes, it uh, is. And we're celebrating. I wish. Yeah, I wish. I wish. No, I'm just joking. I don't. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I, like, fine. I don't drink anymore. Much. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine, guys. I I'm at two years now. Fuck it. Who cares? Uh, congratulations. Yeah. yeah, it's two years now. That's amazing. I hate telling people that I don't drink anymore because, like, I had someone the other day. Like, I think it was Dennis at the cinema. It's like. Oh, again, you had a problem. <laughs> I was just like, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I never had a problem. I just, I just chose decided not to. not to, so I wouldn't have a problem. Yeah. You know, like in the future. Mom, you know? Yeah. Getting ahead I'm thinking ahead, bro. Welcome to the Pot Charles Center, guys. <laughs> cool. Here we Presented go. by Prince Charles Cinema 
and the Breadcrumbs Collective, I guess. Christmas is here. Christmas is here. Phil's playing Santa again this year, and he has a question for all you cinema goers out there who sit on his knee. Despite us, like, you know, pleading, Phil, stop asking customers to sit on your fucking knee. It's part of the job. It's part of the job. It's fucking weird. I'm Santa Claus. How how else am I supposed to know what they want for Christmas and whether or not they've been good? So he will ask them, are you naughty or nice? Oh, boy. God damn it, I'm going to have to do a new theme. So if you noticed... <laughs> If you noticed this year at Halloween, we didn't have our usual listener picks of vampires, witches, werewolves, oh my! You know, we're going to make it up to you this holiday season. And to our backers over there at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast, giving them the chance to program our Christmas episodes with our new arc, Naughty or Nice. Over the next three weeks, we'll have selections between a naughty Christmas movie or a nice Christmas movie for our listeners to pick over on Patreon. In our first poll, we asked if they would like to hear us talk about the naughty film Trading Places or the nice movie A Christmas Story. <sighs> Phil, what film did our listeners pick? <laughs> they picked Trading Places. And that's funny. It's weird that you put that up. You know, I'm glad because the other one, we would have done this anyway because we've already done A Christmas Story. It's weird that you put it up on the poll. But we didn't do A Christmas we Story. Did do we it. did do it. I have a vivid memory of talking about it with you. It's on the timeline. Just How look many at times it. are we going to have to do this? <laughs> it was on the fucking list. We took it off the list. We didn't do the episode. Well, I remember watching it anyway. I watched it. I watched I it. I did too. I watch it every year. We could do the new one. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> an even more Christmas story yeah. or whatever it's called. Fucking hell. Dan Aykroyd. This man is physically threatening me. And Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Are trading places. Find out. I'm, I'm going to get to the bottom. This is going to be a great, great mistake. It didn't look just like the dude that had me busted. It was the dokes, it was the dokes. You're a dead man, Valentine! Dan Aykroyd. Eddie Murphy. Billy Ray Valentine. Capricorn. Trading Places. Coming this summer to a theater or drive-in near you. Now. Sell 200 April 142! Upper crust commodities broker Lewis Winthorpe III, played by Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. In this picture? <laughs> and uh, down and out hustler Billy Ray Valentine, played by oh, Eddie Billy Murphy. <laughs> he only does like one of those in this film. Yeah, in the bathtub, in the jacuzzi. <laughs> if I wanted bubbles when I was a kid, we'd have to fart in the tub. Like Eddie Murphy inside of a fucking jacuzzi is like always a good time. Like he basically just does James Brown celebrity hot tub party. Like too hot in the hot tub. Yeah, <laughs> he's basically doing that because they're like, "What's going on in there?" And he's like, "I don't know." He's singing. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, uh, they're the subjects of a bet by successful brokers Mortimer, played by Don Amici, and mm. Randolph Duke, played by Ralph Bellamy. An employee of the Dukes, Winthorpe, is framed by the brothers for a crime he didn't commit, with the siblings then installing the street-smart Valentine in his position. When Winthorpe and Valentine uncover the scheme, they set out with the help of prostitute Ophelia, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and Winthorpe's butler Coleman, played by Denham Elliott, to turn the tables on the Dukes. It's the 1983 comedy from director John Landis, written by Timothy Harris and Herschel Weingard. Phil, hot takes out the gate, trading places. It's complete a little cinematic universe here because yes. we talked about coming to America, we did. which had which had a cameo from yes, Mortimer and Randolph, the Dukes. Yeah. Uh, I love fun. that, by the way. I think that's so fun. I wish more directors really fun. would do stuff like do, that. Yeah, John Kevin Landis Smith has- was like the last one. Landis yeah. is a lot. Like Landis the, the has a lot of- It's always, yeah, the see you next Tuesday thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's always in the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, it will be either like, like the film that they're going to see and- um, you know, the David's going to see, or at least it's on the marquee in yeah, American yeah, yeah. Werewolf. But it was like, it was in Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was like a, all of his films early days. I think it's like, there's a billboard for it in the Blues Brothers. So it's just yeah, constantly very, coming up. Name would like, Sam Raimi always had the car from Evil Dead in yeah. every one of his movies. Yeah, yeah. Like the car fucking like Uncle Bennett driving or something. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's always there. I love that. Um, yeah, and I like that. Um, yeah, so that's fun. We got to finally sort of yeah, complete. tie up to there. Yeah. But hot take. Um, I obviously really dig Trading Places. It was yeah. a very formative movie for me. I was a big Eddie Murphy guy when I was a kid. I was proper into stand-up. still into stand-up. But I, was yeah. like, I loved Richard Pryor and I loved Eddie Murphy a lot. Big on those fucking delirious and raw tapes, mm-hmm. which is still great. But the same thing, like in that, it had stuff in it that had made it not age well. <laughs> um, obviously, some of it I'm fine with because it's yeah. just like whatever. It's kind of it's a fucking adult comedy from the 80s, and going to be some offensive joke and shit. And they play with some sensitive man. There's just one bit at the end though. Um, we will get there. But like it yeah. wasn't cool for the time. It wasn't even cool like ten years before this when Gene never, Wilder did it in Silver yeah. Street. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's it never was never cool. cool. <laughs> and I hate watching it because it still makes me laugh. And I know it shouldn't, but because it's so ridiculous and because it's an Eddie Murphy comedy, it's almost acceptable, but it's not. And I can't believe Dan Aykroyd did it. Yeah, I mean, um, we're talking about the blackface scene, He goes in blackface and he got this big Jamaican accent and it's yeah. just, it always gets me. I just, I find it very funny, but it's, it's yeah. horrible, I know. I saw this film like at the cinema years, like a few years ago and it was in 35 and stuff, which was cool. Um mm. And it was great. And it was a great time. But like when it gets to that scene, it's just, the, the, there's the a collective tightening. Yeah. In the yeah. Some audience, butts you know? tighten up. Yeah. yeah just like, let's just get past it. Yeah. And it, it goes, it's very quick. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is, it is sort of funny because it's just like a, so absurd. Like, why are they doing this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it who but thought like, this was a good idea? Like it's a comedy classic. It doubled the fucking Christmas classic yeah. as well. It's one of the, you could call it a Christmas movie, but also you could call it a like like a that New Year's film. We've got this year, a New Year's film as well. But Thanksgiving you know, got, film it goes over got, Thanksgiving as well. 
It's a dull thing. They name You're drop right. Thanksgiving, yeah. but but they've got yeah. um, you know, it could also be just like one of those like we've got that great season currently at the cinema. I forget what it's called. I saw a Christmas like, tree. I saw a Christmas tree. What film yeah. that happened to be set at Christmas that might not be yes. overtly about Christmas, um, which I yeah. love. Yeah, I yeah. love Christmas and I love Christmas in movies. There's that added like it's an excuse to go back to it. Yeah, I, I yeah. Every year. But like again, it's like so bolstered by just Eddie Murphy doing it. It's a vehicle for Eddie Murphy, but like it's also kind of a fun, inventive like movie underneath it. Um Ackroyd plays like a really good, like stiff upper lip kind of guy, like this aristocrat, and it's great to see them um trade places, obviously. Yeah. Um, and see how the other half lives. It's the, it's, that's the only, I think, big drawback in the movie. Two things, I would say. And I love Training Place. I think it's hilarious. I think it's really, really great, really holding up. But it has, I think it's strongest when those two are together. And for a predominant amount of the movie, they're separated. Yeah. Um, but it luckily had a very good supporting cast, like Coleman, like Jamie Lee Curtis fucking great this is yeah. like a proper like she's so good breaking out role i think yeah, like yeah. i cheap but like from going from like the screen queen yeah. slasher movie yeah scream queen into this and it's not just because she fucking gets naked that's a part of it yeah but she it's a very grown-up fucking character yeah she's yeah yeah she, and very she's street fucking smart so like, good jaded, at it. like like her yeah. it's great she's and she's incredible in it yeah and that uh, helped it and it's got loads of great fucking cameos in it and all Frank Arnold in this movie like it's really it's all really funny and memorable and it's like it's one of those me and my brother quote ad nauseum still but yeah I think it's strongest when Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd finally get together and they sort of come up with a plot to take down the Duke and get revenge and that's the other thing I don't like about this movie I don't understand what the fuck is happening <laughs> yeah. at the end of this yeah. And I don't, I have a basic understanding yeah. of stuff. And like, I understand what they do. I, under, I understand kind of what they're doing. But when it gets to the end, I know you just kind of need to understand that they bankrupt the duck to do. Yeah, yeah. But what the fuck is happening? Yeah, with the yeah. Buying it's, and the selling it's and like the, a, the prices and the fake prices. Fucking. It's the original like Wall Street bets thing, like the original GameStop. You know, yeah, the original thing. dumb money. Yeah. And or even like the big short boiler or whatever, room. the big yeah, short boiler room. Yeah, it was like boiler before all banger. those. Another thing that it did that was sort of like um, I never noticed until this watch through was like how good of like a takedown of yuppies they were doing. Yes, and dude. it was oh my like God. the fucking Winthorpe friends. Yeah, at the, like and even him, club like it's unbearable. First, like him at first, it's an opera. It's, yeah, he's it's, such a pretentious. It's prick. sort of like uh, the way you know. They do it in American Psycho. Like, it's insane. Like, he's just unbearable, like, at the beginning. And it's just sort of like, oh, my God. Like, they're so... Like, obviously, it's played for a little bit more laughs, but American Psycho is really fucking funny. Um, Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I just... I was, like, kind of like, wow. Like, but this was, like, proper, like, you know, middle... Like, the almost mid-80s, you know, uh, Wall Street, you know period anyway like you know this is like when the big 80s bullshit on wall street was going nuts anyway and all these Mm. films were being made about it and you know like it's kind of hard to believe like obviously there was a stock exchange but there wasn't like there wasn't like the fucking piranhas that like came in until the (laughs) 80s like the 80s was like when it just kind of went nuts and you know really kind of became the wild wild west and it's kind of fun to have this weird little story you know 
take place and they use it as a plot point. And I think it does. It is fucking confusing. The end, like fucking have no idea the whole <laughs> orange juice thing. And it's like, whatever. But like, they still like, you know, it makes enough sense to get by. And you kind of, yeah, you get, exactly. you get the idea that they're screwing them over, even though it's sort of like, what? I feel like maybe years ago, Ariane and I did a episode where we sort of briefly talked about trading places and maybe talked about the, like what the ending means and stuff. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there is like, on I've stopped trying. Yeah. On the Wikipedia page, there is like a thing like about the ending, um, the ending explained, Several publications have attempted to ex- explain exactly how <laughs> Valentine and Winthorpe's make a large sum of money on the commodities markets while simultaneously bankrupting the Dukes. The fake crop report created by Valentine and Winthorpe indicates to the Dukes that the orange crop will be poor, making the limited stock more valuable, which that makes sense. The mm. Dukes attempt to buy as much of the frozen concentrated orange juice futures contracts as possible to corner the market, effectively owning substantial enough number of contracts that they are able to control the price. The other traders realize that the Dukes are doing what the Dukes are doing and join in on buying futures. This demand significantly inflates the price to $1.42 per pound. Uh, Each future represents several pounds of the orange juice. Uh, Winthorpe and Valentine began selling futures at this inflated price, believing it to be the peak price. The contracts will require them to supply orange juice in April. Anticipating that the crop report will uh, cause the value of the orange juice to rise far above the $1.42, <laughs> the other brokers purchase heavily from the pair. I'm hearing just want, want, Yeah, yeah, want, yeah, exactly. Want, yeah. Want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're making people buy more. And then when it comes out that the actual real crop report, because they give them a phony one when they did the whole briefcase switch. Actually, the briefcase switch didn't even play off because like he caught them doing it. And then they like, you know, took advantage of him by like the monkey, the, the monkey, the gorilla, slamming <laughs> the him gorilla. over the head. And then they took the actual crop report, changed it. Um, I'm a gorilla, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, then... They obviously gave them the fake crop report. So when the real crop, crop report comes out, the basically everybody's like, oh, fuck, we need to sell. We need to sell because we have all these fucking yeah, things. Yeah. And then they're buying them. I don't fucking know. Like, it doesn't make <laughs> sense. It, it doesn't yeah. But the film is great besides the blackface thing. It still holds up. I feel like <laughs> for the most part, the film's fucking, it's so funny, dude. It's like really good. Yeah, I love it. From the off, dude, from Eddie Murphy, like pretending to be like the yeah, yeah. Vietnam vet. It's yeah. Off and running. Like, I agree. There are a couple things. There's some fucking dated, you know, language, you know, yeah. a lot of homophobic, you know, remarks thrown around. Yeah. There's some racist shit being said, but it's by the Dukes and it plays because. It's making fun yeah. of. Old racist Racism. fucking bastards. Yeah, yeah. They're like, they are pieces yeah. of shit. Which so. makes the revenge even sweeter. Yeah. So it's fine. Like, yeah, this is that scene inside of the bathroom when Eddie Murphy finds out. It's like one of the worst things they say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ralph horrible. Bellamy just like, you think I would leave my Drop country the hard to a, Like yeah. dropping a hard R. And it's horrible, but it said a lot about like, you know, like he, but he's fucking good at the job. And yet they don't take him seriously just for who he is and it's fucked up yeah. it's really fucked up but I like the premise of them having that fight over like nature versus nurture 
And it is an interesting, it's it's an interesting interesting idea, like these two guys fighting over this, but then the whole like idea of them doing it over a dollar and screwing, literally screwing people's lives up. Like it's Ruining people's lives for a dollar. That's rich people. Isn't that just fucking rich people all over? Yeah. This wealthy few that's ruining for the rest of us over nothing, over something that's nothing for us. Yeah. Why do people like Donald Trump? Like he's ruined people. He's, he's way to ruined come like he's one of the people. He, Are you like, kidding me? He's ruined. He's telling how it is, bro. He's ruined so many people's lives with his <laughs> nonsense. Know. Like the people who follow him don't realize how much their lives have been ruined by like <laughs> yeah, by believing him. in Trump and all the fucking weird conspiracy nonsense that's yeah. come out of the oh shit. Whoa, whoa, careful, careful, careful. Oh, no, oh careful, careful. Why did put some turkey back in there? Just stuff it down with some turkey. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I almost blew up there. It's getting Sorry. better. Getting yeah, better. he hasn't appeared in like the last few weeks. Um, well, yeah, uh, <laughs> we're saving yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you know, it's uh, it's crazy that I won't I won't complete that thought. You know, mm. a lot of people have had their lives ruined. <laughs> in the early 1980s, writer Timothy Harris often played tennis against two wealthy but frugal brothers who regularly engaged in competitive rivalry and betting. And one, following one session, Harris returned home exasperated with the Paris conflict and concluded that they were awful people. The situation gave him the idea of two brothers betting over nature versus nurture in terms of human ability. Harris shared the idea with his writing partner, Herschel Weingrad, who liked the concept. So I thought this is kind of fun. This is some low-key, like, good shit right here. These two guys, uh, Harris and Weingrad, um, are basically responsible following the success of trading places for the likes of Brewster's Millions. Oh, nice. Twins. That's a boys movie. Kindergarten Cop. Oh, two of Arnie's best. Go on. And welcome to the fucking Space Jam. All right. (laughs) All right. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do your dance. Throw your hands in the air. If you feel fine. I do feel fine. All right. All right. Harris and Weingrad thoroughly researched the commodities market when writing the script. They learned of financial market incidents, including Russian attempts to corner the wheat market and the Hunt brothers' efforts to corner the silver market on what became known as the Silver Thursday. They instead thought trading orange juice and pork bellies would be funnier because the public would be unaware of such mundane items being traded. But they didn't want to lean in too hard on the commodities market you know, idea. Just use it as a plot device at the climax of the film, which I think mm. is, you know, it's confusing enough. And I think that's like probably for the best, you know. Mm. It's weird. It plays off like a fucking like sports film, you know, going back <laughs> again on sports films and shit like we were talking about last week. But like it plays off like it's like this fucking, you know, big fucking element of the film. It's like, a, you know, it's almost like, you know, the way like, you know, um, the end of Uncut Gems is like, it's all about betting and stuff on this fucking basketball game. And Uncut Gems has plenty of shit that makes no sense in it in terms of like betting, unless if you know betting. Yeah, but I don't yeah. understand like odds and shit. Like, I don't understand it. So like, yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense, but you get what's going on. Um, and it's sort of that similar vibe. But because the thing uh, Uncut Gems is most of the um, action in those final scenes is like people looking at a TV screen, but like re- like crazy shit going around them at the yeah, yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. And it's similar here where it's like they're not like 
they're like in a fucking like room full of crazy guys screaming and it makes no sense what's going on. But like you kind of get the gist that they're winning and the Dukes are losing and that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all you need yeah. to know. Yeah. So yeah, they knew that they wanted the method of, you know, Winthorpe and Valentine's financial victory, like, you know, to be like this big thing at the end, but, and they knew it would be confusing, but they hoped the audiences would be too invested into the characters to actually care about the details. So I think it works. I mean, it plays off. I think it, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it works. The script was sold to Paramount Pictures under the title Black and White. <laughs> oh, come on, man. It sort of sounds like that, like, Ebony and Ivory sketch from... Yeah, from Eddie <laughs> I was about to say that the, with uh, Eddie Murphy Ebony again, yeah. and Ivory. <laughs> you are blind at the bat, and I have sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll stop it there. We won't, yeah, I'm not going to keep that. keep that, yeah. That was the safest line of the <laughs> It's hard to be a white dude and be a fan of Eddie Murphy, you know what I'm saying? Can't quote his shit, which is one of his bits in, I think, Delirious of Raw about like fucking the yuppies, like going back to work and just ruining his material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to do it uh, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Hey, I'm Mr. T, you know, that sort of thing. This guy just keeps coming up. Jesus Christ, he's everywhere. But then Paramount executive Jeffrey Katzenberg who would go on to be the Disney guy for a long time, offered the project to director John Landis. Landis disliked the working title, but favorably compared the script to older screwball comedies of the 1930s by directors Frank Capra, Leo McCrary, uh, and Preston Sturges, which often satirized social constructs and social classes, reflecting the cultural issues of their time. Mm. Um, Yeah, fair. But why do blackface... It's I can't hear you. What? <laughs> oh, no, I'm being called. I'm being called to that. No. It's like no, it'll be fine. He's like be fine. They used to do that in the thirties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're taking the worst bit with you, you fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, Landis wanted the film to reflect these concepts as concepts in the eighties. Uh, so he's he said the main updates were the addition of swearing and nudity. Obviously, we got to have a lots of tits in this film. Um, <laughs> but Landis also admitted that it took him a while to understand how tra- the trading places finale worked. <laughs> <laughs> but when it came to the cast, obviously we have Dan Aykroyd as Louis Lewis Winthorpe the Third, a commodities nice. director, Duke and Duke, and then Eddie Murphy is Billy Ray Valentine, who's a street beggar and con man. So trading places was developed with the intent to cast the comedy duo. You already name dropped one of these guys. Richard Pryor oh, there we go. and Gene Wilder as that makes Valentine and Lewis. Does, so yeah. yeah, that feels like something they would would have done <laughs> yeah. together. They did a they did a bunch. They did Silver Streak and Stir Dirk Crazy yeah. and Tina Wavel Hino Evil. Silver Streak's so good, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, apart from that bit. Yeah. yeah. The pair were in high demand following their success in films like Stir Crazy, but yeah, Pryor it was famously severely injured after setting himself on fire while free racing oh, cocaine. Oh, yeah. That was around that yeah. time. Yeah. So the decision was to, you know. Studio's maintain. like, nah, not get into that. Yeah. Decision was like, yeah, we got to cast somebody else. Paramount Pictures suggested Eddie Murphy. The studio was initially unhappy with Murphy's performance in his first film, the as then unreleased action comedy 48 Hours. Oh, I'm going to say, hadn't 48 Hours gone and, you know, done gangbusters yet? Yeah, just well, by the time they made the film, it hadn't come out yet. So okay. 
that was also going to be a Richard Pryor project, but you know, ended up going to Eddie Murphy. However, the film was well received by preview test audiences, which led to the studio reversing its opinion. So they hire <laughs> Eddie Murphy, and yeah, I mean, like, it fucking did great. And yeah, Eddie Murphy's Eddie, awesome; he carries that film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, the only I mean thing I remember about that film. Yeah, I mean, I like Nick Nolte, but. It's not his strongest, like, yeah. you know, Eddie Murphy had like, a, you know, we always talk about like the Carrie year, the Jim Carrey 94, like, yeah, yeah, year. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Eddie Murphy didn't have it in one year, but he had like, bang, bang, like, bang, like a hell yeah, of a like run. And three like, or four like, years. Yeah. Like, 48 hour training place and coming to America, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd even throw in like the Golden Child. Yeah. Golden Child's fucking fun, dude. Fucking Underrated. Underrated. And then he get, you know, and then he starts. He stopped trying some stuff in the nineties, and it's a shame they don't work. Can he try some serious stuff? And then he kind of, you know, similar thing. We kind of done a bunch of bombs, and then find himself again with the family comedies in the two thousands, as we discussed in the night professor. But this yeah. era of Eddie Murphy is like peak era. He's a revelation. He's just like you just you wind him up, you let him go, and he's fucking yeah, inc- incredible. Like takes over everything, like but not in like an annoying way, in a way of like. It's just so enigmatic and like, yeah, like full of life and like so funny, so quick, so quick to riff off what somebody has said and like make it feel very natural. And I don't know, it just, it feels like a real person and not just like, yeah. even though like a lot of these movies are vehicles for him, he was always good at it just not feeling like Eddie Murphy in here doing Eddie Murphy bits. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's plenty of like room for other people and stuff. And he plays exactly. off of people really well. And just like he doesn't even need to say anything sometimes. It will just be like, yeah. you know, breaking the fourth wall by looking at the oh, camera. Oh, okay, but yeah. Like, okay. you know, when someone says something really fucking ridiculous to him and he's just like. What? Yeah, yeah. He's got that <laughs> face. Like like that yeah. face and the laugh he does better yeah. than anyone. But like, this, I just love seeing his journey even more than like. Winston downfall, which is funny. I love him getting, I love seeing Eddie Murphy like going from like this homeless dude on the street, sort of like, like, you know, shit talking, you know, in the jail. Like, there's yeah. so many fucking like funny, iconic scenes. I was just literally the other day, I was quoting with Paul, shout out Paul again, um, that the karate man, karate man, yeah, Bruce I'm karate the karate man. Yeah, like yeah. that. Always my funny. my teacher was Bruce Lee, <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, even like when they, you know, they, uh, you know, so they pick him up and he proper suspicious that he should be, and he gets to the house and they dress him up and you know and yeah. all that stuff, and he's just going around like putting shit in his pocket, like yeah, yeah, shit. This like is your stuff. Yeah. You don't have to steal because you'd only be stealing from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love this because you know, this kind of stuff happens to me every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I love the current. The current, they're just great. And to the, just and like then, you know, breaks the get, boss, and he's yeah. like, "I can break something else if you yeah. want me to." They're like, no, <laughs> no. But then you, can, you know, and then you get to the point, even like when he like start to actually see the value of that stuff, and he's not like yeah. them because he'd come from nothing. Like nobody yeah, 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 yeah. People are yeah. like putting out fucking. Haven't you people stuff. ever heard of Costas? <laughs> yeah, it's Persian for Persian. <laughs> get yeah, the fuck so out! Like it's just. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible, but then yeah, um, yeah, like Ackroyd obviously carried into. We'll get to him in a second, but Eddie Murphy yeah, yeah. is the fucking man, and they're a good duo. Like I'm surprised they, they are. Do, yeah, yeah, they didn't do sort of more together, and it's funny because it's a real passing of the torch moment for 
Eddie Murphy, you know, prior with the sort of last big black comedy star and that mm-hmm. sort of Eddie Murphy time. Yeah. And so he's sort of kind of trying to come into that. You know, he got a lot of expectation on him, huge stand-up star, but also like Aykroyd is coming from a weird place because this is pre-Ghostbusters, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's bit, pre-Ghostbusters, yeah. But and it's, it's like post, post, it's post uh, John Belushi passing away, so this, that was this sort of thing. a problem. That's what I mean. Like he must yeah. have, you know, a lot of his stuff was tied to Belushi and SNL. Yeah. So it's like, it feels like a movie where like everybody's proving themselves. It like, is. Jamie, it Jamie absolutely Lee, is. Aykroyd, Jamie Lee definitely was. Murphy. Yeah. Um, I mean, Landis was pretty successful by this point. Yeah. Yeah. But, he had a couple of like big winners in his bag already. I mean, he had already done uh, the Blues Brothers and he did American Werewolf in London before this. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's the most up. impressive thing about it. It's just watching. And like, I didn't know if he's so fucking young and he's so good. It's yeah. really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's fucking great. Like, he's, yeah, goddamn. He's just, he was just so funny back then. And he was just mm. like, everything he did, like, was fucking awesome. Like, his whole run on SNL was like, oh, yeah. Saved so, that show. So good. It was time. so short because he was that yeah. good. Like, it immediately, yeah. like, bowed out of it. But yeah, saved that show during that time. Yeah. Cause he was like the best thing. It was like post all the guys like, you know, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi leaving the show. And, it was just this weird sort of like period where there weren't many like funny people. And then Eddie Murphy comes out of nowhere and just like, it's got some of the best shit of all time in it. Like mm. the Mr. Uh, Robinson's Mr. neighborhood. Rod- I'm always yeah. thinking I, about, Yeah, yeah. Who I was it? like, <laughs> I was walking around the other day, like with Julia, like uh, about a month ago or something like that. And uh, I was like, for whatever reason, I was like, I got that stupid. What's the bucking do he bite? Kill my landlord. Kill my, Kill my landlord. C I L L. My landlord. <laughs> landlord. Yeah, and I couldn't even like remember like what that whole thing was about. And it was like, so I had to watch the sketch, and then it was like this whole thing where it was like prisoners who were like being given like uh, access to do like arts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to, outside it, art. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did his poem. His poems. It's so yeah. funny. I always yeah. think of like there's so many like the Mr. Roger's thing I would think of the can you say scum bucket? Like <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. There's, yeah. always, there's one he done where he's um he's the kid from the little rascal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Buckwheat hey. Buckwheat sings. Buckwheat, yeah, I'm always yeah. singing those. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's I like love those. Buckwheat sings the the hits or whatever or the classics. Yeah. Like yeah. once <laughs> Fee times are made it. Amazing. And like yeah. fucking and Gumby. Gumby and shit. Yeah. And he brought that back. I am Gumby, damn it. I'm Gumby, damn it. <laughs> Untouchable, so dude. Untouchable. So good. He was so funny, man. Yeah. Uh, Landis was actually unaware of Eddie Murphy. Because it's like, he just hadn't seen him on SNL. He didn't really know who he was. But he watched his audition tapes and he was really impressed. And he was impressed enough to travel to New York City to meet him. Uh, Murphy said that he was paid around $350,000 for the role. But it was reported that the figure was as high as a million dollars. John Landis wanted Dan Aykroyd to serve as his co-star. Who obviously worked with him on the Blues Brothers. And it was a positive experience. And Aykroyd's great. He said that. He could easily play Winthorpe. You tell him what you want, and he delivers, and I thought he'd be wonderful. But Paramount Pictures, however, they were less enamored with Aykroyd. Executives believed that he performed better as part of a duo, you know, working with John Belushi, 
But, mm-hmm. you know, John Belushi passed away and they felt that Aykroyd working alone would be akin to Bud Abbott, half of Abbott and Costello working without Lou Costello. And Aykroyd's recent films had poured, uh, had fared poorly at the box office. So, yeah, he was almost not going to be in the film, but he agreed to take a pay cut and they let him do the film. And, dude, he's fucking, he fucking nails it as well. He's he great. Fucking nailed it. Yeah, again, he's so good. Like, Flipping it, like, he played both really fucking well. Like, yeah. he can do, like, Dan Aykroyd is, the f- like, great talent in that he could do both. He can do the straight guy and the wacky dude, and he done, yeah. he had done both. Um, but, like, and you, he gets to do it all in one. Like, no, and he's such a prick. He's such an unlikable dickhead. Yeah. And a, a good chunk of this movie, and you really have yeah. to push through it. Watching him decline and being, like, busted for drugs and then been picked up by Ophelia and like turned into like like see him like forcibly humbled it's actually really nice and I like who yeah. kind of turned yeah. into and he had one of my favorite like it's why I'll always think of it in the Christmas film because I think it's one of the most like I wish it was on one of our membership cards yeah <laughs> one yeah. of the most iconic Christmas images in a movie to me you know I'm going with it Dan Aykroyd pulling a fucking piece of salmon <laughs> fucking <laughs> Beard. Beard salmon. <laughs> Snack time! <laughs> There's something about that look you gave to me. I know you can only need one thing. It's snack time. In the morning. It's snack time. In the evening. It's snack time. I can't wait for you. It's snack time. I don't have salmon. You don't have salmon. I don't either. I was very close to grabbing. I have a little pot of salmon, but I didn't feel like opening it up for mm. this. Um, but I was very close. I was like, yeah, he's good. Like he's just pulling out salmon. But I mean, come on. You know what this film is, Phil. We're talking commodities here. <laughs> we're talking. Oh. We're talking pork bellies. And we're talking orange juice. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You pulled a fill. You pulled yeah. a fill. Uh, what? Just being uh, lazy, and you got orange juice as well. And I got orange juice as well. I, I made. A, yeah. I actually made this fresh. That's what I was doing. Is what took me so long when you I you were making I had to orange pee juice before before the film. So we have a little orange juicer, and we luckily, like, luckily, I got like three or four big oranges the other day because nice. Julia's mom's coming, and mom, and Julia was like always like, oh, I'm I'm gonna make some orange juice. Okay. So I used one of those, and I managed to get that much Ooh, from one orange. That's a good amount. That's a good amount. Big orange. There must be a better way. <laughs> so uh, yeah, here we go. Bottom Let's up. Try the homemade orange juice. Very good. Very Ooh, good. Yeah. yeah, it's like that, fla- like that Spanish orange juice or Portugal when you go and you get Ooh, those machines and stuff. It's yeah. real oranges. Oh. Yeah, the best orange juice I've ever had. I think it was in Budapest. Yeah, it was in Budapest, dude. Like, they have a, a fucking massive market hall, famous. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, fresh juice there. And I just, I got a cup and it was like, and I like orange juice. And I was like, the best orange yeah. juice I'd ever had. So, yeah, I yeah. wish I had the time and patience to <laughs> make my own. 
and shit. Well, it's actually um, this juicer thing we have is really good. It's like um, it's this little device that has like a little pitcher and then on top of it it's just got like a thing when you push the orange down it just spins and it just shaves it all out basically and juices mm. it it's so quick did like, it have so fucking quick did they have pulp in it though uh yeah would do you not like yeah. pulp i don't like pulp but you could uh you could always like you know just sieve it out sieve it out yeah yeah. I would have to. Which is, I don't like pulp. Uh, I don't like which is my literally drink, just bro. the same. You just put a sieve over top of your glass and just pour it in. Pour it in. That's right. quick. Although it's messy. More mess. Because no, god damn it, sieves are some of the worst things to clean. I know. And it's I, even I worse one if morning. you're fucking doing fucking pulpy <laughs> orange juice through it. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> so how many... Um, how many uh, packs of uh, angel dust... <laughs> PTP. You know what this shit does to kids? This is this is PTP. Mm-hmm. You know what this? It wasn't heroin. Kids? It wasn't heroin. It was angel dust. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know what? I'll give it a solid. <laughs> Say five. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You give one more thing five. I'm gonna take it away from you. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, you know, I like orange juice. That was actually a good orange. It's 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 gonna be fun. It's good. Love All it. All right, five. All right. Um, <laughs> what was your orange juice? Uh, I have orange juice, but it's not my snack. I'm just using it to wash down my snack. But you're right. We're talking oranges, orange prices. Mm-hmm. We're talking commodities. I just thought, of a, I, you know, I thought I wanted to get like the chocolate coins you can get. Yeah. But I couldn't find them in the shop. But you know, we're talking pork belly, which yep. is used to make bacon, which you might find in a. Bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. <laughs> Ooh. Wow, you actually got a BLT? I got a BLT. I because you were veggie. I am. Um, but I'm going to do it. That's how much I care about the podcast. I occasionally have meat. Phil is going to throw up. <laughs> no. I occasionally have meat. Um, I was hoping they'd have a VLT, which they didn't. Um, yeah. But I don't think I've ever had a BLT. Really? Yeah, I, I not, like. I name dropped you, it like two or three weeks, know, like two kind, weeks ago. Said it was know, like my favorite you, sandwich. And I thought of that today, and I just thought of yeah. that scene where he said that, and Eddie Murphy looked at the camera. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was just like, "Fuck it, I'll try a BLT." Now that I I avoided it for so long because I'm bacon to right. I'm not yeah. huge on bacon, but it was tomato. I didn't like tomatoes for most of my life. Until in the last few years. Wow. I've really, I, I don't know what it was. I think it was just, I started eating like bruschetta and like more Italian, like shit, like. Yeah, yeah. That dude making shit with like fresh tomatoes and it was like really good. And I was like, do I like tomatoes actually? Because I would always take them out of sandwiches, always take them out of burgers. Um, but now I leave them in. Wow. Now I like it. So now I can properly try a BLT and you said you're a big fan. It's a classic sandwich. I should try it. Yeah, right? dude, I love a BLT. This Even the, the store BLTs Sainsbury's. are pretty decent. This is the same breed on the yeah. girl sandwich. I deliberately didn't really, I had a really light sort of breakfast. So this is kind of my lunch. Um, that's good. That's good. Um, so now I like all the things in it. Um, my thing with bacon is that it's usually very chewy. I like it crispy, and you don't really get that in these sandwiches. Yeah, but, yeah. But That's why, yeah. like, if you go to like a really good diner place that does a good BLT, exactly, dude. Exactly, like yeah. Bar Bruno does a good one. Bar Bruno, I like Bar Bruno. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. 
Let's go for it. Looks good. Let's do it. Mm. Yeah. I've, I feel like that's, that's my, go-to, my go-to meal deal uh, sandwich will be a BLT. I don't go with like an egg mayo or something, but that one's really good. Yeah, I want to yeah. try the veggie one now. Um, no, solid. Yeah, it's got the usual like thing that annoys me with bacon. Where it gets really chewy and I feel like I'm yeah. going to choke. Um, yeah. Yeah, solid. Yeah, surprisingly good for like a same reason you're normally all right. Yeah. But surprisingly good for a sandwich sandwich. It's fresh, nice, not too stiff or anything. Good. Solid sandwich, bro. Now wash um, it down with some OJ. <laughs> how many? How many Breaking Bad cameos are you giving? Huh. <laughs> really? Oh wow! Okay, I can only think of two in the movie. Who? Who? Gus. There's Gus. Was there a two? No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Mike and Gremlin. <laughs> yeah, there's just one, but I'm just like one. you know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I thought it was low. Um, no, no, just a joke. <laughs> that's solid, dude. And not bad. Um, better than I thought it'd be. Maybe because I'm quite hungry. But ELT, I'll give it a four. Wow, yeah, that's good. A four. Good, I, I, dig, I really I like dig. it. You know what I like is another good shout, and you, uh, you're just sitting here talking about how you're appreciating tomatoes these days. Mm. Um, one good sandwich I really like, and you really need a good tomato. Like you need one of those good, like beefy tomatoes. Like you know, <laughs> they're really fucking flavorful. You can make a sandwich with just that. Put a little bit of mayo on some good bread. Put slice up your tomato into slices. Put it on the fucking bread. And put a little bit of pepper on it, dude. And it just fucking, I don't know about the pepper, something about that pepper and uh, the tomato just like reacting with each other is fucking good. Oh, <laughs> it's that really good. good. All right. I got a lot of little secrets like that, man. Fucking watermelon. Want to bring the flavor out? A little bit of salt on the watermelon. Sounds crazy, but it's fucking good. No, yeah, just no, I buy that. Brings that flavor out. Um, salt does that with a lot of things. Like you put a little bit of salt on an avocado and it's just like, the holy secret, shit. If you're eating something like this really good, the secret is usually salt. <laughs> salt, yeah. That's why I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamie Lee Curtis plays Ophelia. Fucking great in Incredible. this film. She's so good in everything though. She's always awesome. Yeah, like, we're always just You could be a bad movie and Jamie Lee Curtis like, is in it she just makes it better because she's in mm. it she's just good i don't know i've always liked jamie lee curtis we had a lot of fun with freaky friday oh um, yeah i mean I halloween that. is amazing like all those like her run like terror train and prom night like she had a fucking run the fog she just had a run back in the 80s man she was like on in all mm. this shit but that was part of her problem the studio did object to casting jamie lee curtis because she was known as the scream queen and basically being associated with all these low quality B movies. But Landis had worked with her on this hard documentary called coming soon. And she was like the host of it. And he really liked her. And she was consciously trying to move away from horror at the time, even turning down a role in psycho two. And I think she did appear in Halloween two in 1980 or 81 or something like that. But yeah, she didn't know. She only agreed to do it if she got paid a lot of money to do it. Yeah, because she was. She, I think she got almost like a million for that. 
Um, so she was basically just like, you know, I'm making my money, but like, you know, I got to move away from it. And she turned down Psycho 2, which, you know, famously her mother starred in the original Psycho. So that's funny. Yeah. Nice- would they would they have done something with that? Like, was she yeah. playing a relative of something? That yeah, been maybe. Cool. I don't know. Like, she couldn't have been her daughter in the film because like that she woman kid, had no, no kids and she got murdered. Spoilers. It's her, it's her niece. <laughs> but yeah, dude, what a fucking film Psycho is as well. Like that could fucking incredible. How do you, you kill off your lead like halfway Baller. through the film? Baller Holy movie, shit! Hitchcock like, was just like fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I think we mentioned maybe not. Maybe we didn't specifically reference it, but when we talk about the village and kind of how cool that f- halfway through the main character changes. Yeah. So that's when the film gets really bad, <laughs> and it's not her fault. It's not her yeah. fault. But like, I love that. It's like fucking. Gangster move to pull yeah. on your audience, and the no late coming thing as well. Like, don't be late because you're going to be like, where the fuck did Jennifer Jason Lee go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, that um, no, that's not right. Where no. did Janet Lee go? Janet Lee, yeah, Janet Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee is uh, blonde Hayfully actress. Yeah, yeah. Hayfully, married yeah. to Noah Baumbach. Yeah, for a was while. married, and then he got divorced and did Madagascar. Yeah, and then married to uh, what's her face. Uh, Greta Gerwig. Barbie, yeah. Yeah. He married um, Barbie. <laughs> he married Barbie. <laughs> uh, Ralph Bellamy plays Randolph Duke and Donna Michi plays Mortimer Duke. Fucking, I mean, these guys fucking they're know great. it. They're classic. They're having, yeah. They're, like, they're having they're, a great time. You want to hate them, and you do, because they're arsehole, but like, I feel like they seem like really nice old men. Like a nice older act, like character actor, having fun. Yeah. Like yeah. having fun, especially when they get to like blow up a little bit, like at the end when like Randolph is like dying. Yeah, like fuck him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mortimer's Just, like yeah. Uh, Don Amici's so fucking funny. Yeah. Like the whole idea was like the originally the Duke brothers. Like the idea was that Ralph Bellamy was always the first choice for Randolph. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Mortimer, John Landis wanted to cast like an actor from the 30s or 40s who was never a villain. So it was just someone who was playing opposite his usual sort of character. And the first choice was uh, Ray Milland, who was from The Lost Weekend and Dial M for Murder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was older and he was unable to pass a physical to qualify for insurance. And then oh. Landis was getting closer to filming time and he was just like, huh, wonder what like Don Amici's doing. And the casting director claimed that he was dead. So Landis was like, what? So he contacts the Screen Actors Guild and he was informed that Don Amici hadn't done a film in like 13 years and he had no agent. So the horrible question was asked, did he die? (laughs) (laughs) So Landis, you know, basically start looking around and they finally found him. And he just like, just was that kind of retired, I guess, just not Mm -hmm. really doing anything. And, Basically, he agreed to uh, come on as long as he was paid what Ray Milland was being paid. And, okay. You know, but it turned out like the studio was like, oh, no, I mean, don't, he's, he's not been in the film very long. It, like, he hasn't been in any films very long. So I don't know. Like, and uh, finally, like, Don Amici, like, just agreed to do it. But, like, the studio did reduce the budget. For the film because they were frustrated oh, it's crazy though it. it's crazy you could like don't this like bring back don amici and then he had kind of a he great such, run in yeah, the 90s great run he had well even in the 80s so obviously he did uh you know he did another appearance as 
the yeah, uh, like Duke brothers and <laughs> and uh, coming to America. But then he also like he did Cocoon, which, which he fucking won an Oscar for. That's what I'm saying. He fucking won the Oscar a couple of years later. That's incredible. And then he obviously After not did, acting for 13 years. He did the Cocoon Return, you know, the Return or whatever. Um, the first <laughs> Cocoon film is great. Like it shows, like it's funny. It shows so much promise for like you know uh, what Ron Howard would go on to do in the mm-hmm. future. You know, it's like it's great. I don't know. It's funny. Like Ron Howard's an interesting one. We've never, have we ever talked about one of his films? No, I don't think so. Ron Howard, like he's one of those funny directors where he like obviously has a lot of classic films, but then he's also got a lot of like, kind of like dumb as fuck films. (laughs) He's a proper studio guy, but not in a shitty way. Cause they know he's like, we'll put, we'll get Ron Howard to do it. And cause he'll, he know, you know, you're going to deliver like a proper serviceable solid movie. Yeah. So that's like the worst he does. But then his good shit, really good, like a fucking Apollo 13 and amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like, like borderline, like, like you, you and then like silly shit like, like a Splash. Spielberg or something, yeah. you know? Like you feel like, oh, he has like the ability to be this big time director, but he just always kind of, maybe that's too much pressure because he always felt like he sort of fell short of that. It felt, yeah, it felt like he dipped his toe and then go backed off, but then yeah. come back with something different, like, like, I love a lot of his movies. I'm looking now just to, and it's wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he I mean. Did, it's he, all like, over he did the those, place. Like, like, he did those fucking stupid Da Vinci Code movies. But yeah. Did, like, <laughs> like, what? Films I really like, but are wildly, like, I like The Grinch, like the 2000 yeah. Grinch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Cinderella Man quite a bit. Mm. I like Frost Nixon. I like yeah. Rush. Those are all wildly different movies. Yeah. Like, genre-wide, tone-wide, painting-wide acting wise but they all work like he just had a really good handle on movie yeah you know what i mean it's a strange one it's a very strange one yeah yeah i think that's why i brought it up he's just like he's a funny director like cocoon's a wild one as well in itself no. because it's like it almost feels like sometimes when you think about it it's like you're like this shouldn't work like wilford brimley don amici like <laughs> aliens steve gutenberg hmm? but then it like it's fucking great. I, I love Cocoon. It's great. We should do that I for I awesome. Want to Believe too. Yeah, <laughs> I Want to Believe too. Cocoon. I think Cocoon was on the list. So I was sort of like, you know, I could watch Cocoon. I Want to Believe. I Want to Believe too. I Want to Believe Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> believe Now. It always I works. Believe Now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Don Amici also like, you know, continue that little string though. You know, he had, uh, which I think is fucking classic. Um, we did the voice of Shadow and Homer Bound. Yeah, like, thank you for bringing shit. up Homer what Bound. What a voice. I love that movie. Shadow's great. Um, yeah, and then he passed away around the same time, like, you know, the in that same year that Homer Bound came out, uh, 10 years after Trading Places in 1993. So, it's nice. he got like fucking a lot crazy. Of These right guys the like yeah. thought he was dead 10 years mm. prior and he's, he lasted another 10 years. So, mm. nice. Yeah. Um, we have Dental Elliott playing Coleman, the butler. He's, he's great. great in this film. He's really funny. He's great. Yeah. His little. Just eye, be like, yourself, sir. I can't take that away from you. <laughs> yeah. But even he gets to like have fun at the end. Yeah. Play the drunk his little Irish, Irish accent. And it's ridiculous. Which is actually pr- pretty good. I felt like his his like putting on this silly little Irish drunk Irish accent was actually pretty decent. But it mm. probably because he actually is British. British people are pretty good at doing, you know, 
random accents around the fucking aisles and stuff. Sure, it's similar yeah. to like an American's better at doing like dumb American accents from around America than they are doing British accents. Like, you know, but uh, somehow British people are always cast as Americans taking <laughs> our jobs. All right, we're like, fucking hell. Sorry. I'm one angry. But, you know, you know, we know Denim Elliott from who we, ju- we just mentioned it. Spielberg boy. Fucking Indiana Jones. Yeah. Motherfucking Marcus Brody over here. He is. He is. Yeah. It's incredible. Just so One day fun. we'll do those films, you know. I have a lot to say about the Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> One would say too much. Too much. Um, Paul Gleason. Oh. Clarence Beeks. The security guy, the the mysterious man who's getting paid, and there's, you know, I don't want to say, but the c word, you know, um, is going on in the background here. This is a top notch role for him. For him, I mean, he's got three like iconic roles, really. You know, he's in Die Hard, he's in Trading Places, and obviously the biggest, the biggest, The Breakfast Club. I mean, come on, everybody knows him as that. But being one of those actors, yeah, that, like perfect, like everything in the eighties, like. He- those are three big iconic performances. Yeah, and this is one of my favorite. Again, they're all different. This is so good. This is Him one just of my pushing fa- people. Over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that woman gets just, in his way, just, and he just like he just like creams her, he pushes her over. Get out of the way. Him being on the phone, and the woman coming up, and he's like, "Hold on, fuck off," and comes back to the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so funny, funny, dude. Funny, like again, man. just like throw away bit, and even hit ending the bit weird. Yeah. Like it feels so like what the fuck? They like so now he's trapped to an eternity of being abused by yeah. a gorilla. <laughs> Seems a bit harsh, but okay. Um It's so stupid great. though. It just gets wild that ending. Like the whole party the, on the train and everything. Yeah. It's it's insane. Again, very yeah. I I get the reference and it it to- now thinking of it from that perspective, it's a total scruple comedy. Yeah. It, and it really played as one if you think of it like that but like a modern one like you said yeah i mean that was the thing where i think uh, a lot of the people um who were reviewing the film and stuff like uh like ebert or whatever you know saving my time later i think he kind of said like uh that he appreciated that they did a you know big fun ending for this film that wasn't like some big silly chase you know they kind of subverted like the usual like screwball comedy you know, endings, which does always sort of end up in this big sort of silly chase. And they sort of almost do it, you know, with this whole bit with the gorilla suit and everything Mm -hmm. and on the train and all that. But that just only sets up the ending. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you get like this weird fucking unexplainable Wall Street. (laughs) (laughs) G. Gordon Liddy, who is a central figure of the Watergate. (laughs) Nope, um, nope. Political scandal of the early <laughs> 1970s was offered a role uh, of corrupt uh. official Clarence Beeks. Um, Liddy was interested until he learned that the character became a romantic partner of the gorilla. Blech. So Gleason uh, <laughs> took the role and uh, his character mind. his character reads a copy of Liddy's autobiography. Are you while he's, take a breath. Take a breath. While he's riding the train. <laughs> Phil. No. Phil. no. Hey, did you know, Phil, that you, say, it, you can kill the president of the United <laughs> States? What can't you do? You know, 
I had a confession by someone on my show. Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura. In case you've ever heard of it. I'm familiar. Where someone confessed to killing JFK. Yeah, my show had someone confess. And you don't hear anyone talking about it on the mainstream media. No. E. Howard Hunt from Watergate confessed to his son, St. John Hunt. Yes, that was his name, St. John John. Hunt. (laughs) And it wasn't even a confession of remorse. It was a confession of pride, Phil. That's what was scary about it. You're happy that he killed JFK? It was a CIA operation. It was called the Big Event. And I suppose if you're killing the president, it is a big event. You wouldn't call it a small event. And he named the people, William Harvey, who headed the CIA's assassination teams when they were trying to kill Castro. And a guy named David Sanchez Morales, he was one of their main operatives. He was there when they killed Che Guevara. He was a bad guy, Phil. He apparently took Che Guevara's watch and he wore it around as a little you know, medallion that he, he killed that guy. These are bad people. He's a bad man. <laughs> and how many people out there remember the photo of the three tramps at Dealey Plaza? There was a no, photo no. of three tramps and one of them, if, it is, if it's not E. Howard Hunt, then he has a double. Even his son <laughs> looked at the photo, St. John, and he said, yes, that's my father. So JFK was killed by a tramp? I'm saying that the tramp was a part of it. When they took out Jack, they ruined our country, Phil. And I think, you know, there's a higher authority running our government. All I got to say is follow the money. Just like in WWF, Vince was running the company. Oh, God damn it. he had his stooge, Hulk Hogan. Hogan, He kept all the people down, sitting on the top with all this big money and not sharing the wealth. And they still don't have health insurance, just like the people of America don't have a health care system. And that is why Terry Bolela killed JFK. <laughs> Did you hear that shit? That was I, insane. I said Hogan killed JFK. Hogan killed JFK? Dressed as a hobo. What? What? He, and he had a son named St. John or something, and he confessed Hogan on has a show. son named... I thought Hogan had a son named Nick, and he was, like, arrested again recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think he's still mad about that whole Vince thing. Dude, I think if you, like, you know, basically killed someone, but didn't kill him, but you fucked him up so bad in a car crash that they became a vegetable that maybe you should never drink and drive again is all I'm saying. And I'm not throwing shots at, you know, Hulk Hogan's son, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good, just Jesus take Christ. the yeah. um, If, you know, if Hogan's throwing shots at JFK, you know, then I'm going to throw shots, you know? Um, dude. Who'd, who'd have thought this movie would have a reference to the Watergate scandal? Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, uh, <laughs> so it's wild. They were going to have that. I mean, it, it would have been funny, too, because the the ending sort of plays in the, to this very, like, deep throat-esque, like, Watergate handoff of the yeah, 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 yeah. report with Eddie Murphy, like, throw the money. Yeah. <laughs> 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 give, me, um, 
Yeah, show me the money. <laughs> yeah, now get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like putting on that funny voice. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's yeah, it's just a funny little thing, and it's funny that you had your film premiere on the anniversary of the assassination, and you made that joke about it because we were showing JFK upstairs at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But it's just yeah. like it's wild. The um, the the QAnon people started appearing again, like in Dallas, you know, to commemorate. You know JFK being assassinated there, and they had that whole thing where they think JFK is going to come back, or JFK Junior is going to come back, and yeah, they're yeah. going to return America <laughs> to its glory. But I'm just like, dude, like, how is how are these people tying JFK and anything he ever preached to like <laughs> Donald Trump? It makes no <laughs> sense. JFK was like fucking progressive as fuck. Donald Trump like literally signed, you know a big ad in a newspaper to try to get the central park five, like imprisoned for life or the, given the death penalty literally wanted them dead. Like what, what they're two <laughs> different, like people, like there's so far opposites. Oh my God. It makes no <laughs> sense. If someone like JFK was president today, the people on the fucking right would hate him. <laughs> 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 Jim Belushi is the guy in the gorilla suit. So good shout out to John Belushi who passed away like yeah. a couple of years before, maybe the year before, I think 82, um, which is sad. I mean, John Belushi was fucking hilarious. Yeah. But Jim Belushi, man, I know I have ups and downs and we make canine jokes a lot. And I know he's done a lot of stupid shit, Jim Belushi. I feel like, he's in yeah. some really bad films. I feel like we, yeah. Man, he's funny, dude. <laughs> did we do, did we do, sometimes he's funny. Um, like I feel like we, fuck. Did we do junk jingle all the way? Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. same time. Yeah, he's Christmas in that, story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah, we kind of. Yeah, we talked about it there. Like, and I thought it was funny there. But yeah, yeah. Dre again, a strange career where he had like he got had his own show and shit. But like, yeah, it kind of felt like a lesser. Belushi, but yeah, he got yeah, them, yeah, yeah. He got some good stuff, and he could in there. He's very funny. I, yeah, he's very funny in this, and I think maybe that's the the thing. Like he's got he's got moments where he's so goddamn good in things, like, but then he's like not good in something else, and then you kind of like you always just think, oh fucking Jim Belushi sucks, but then he'll just come <laughs> out with a role. Like Julie and I were going through Twin Peaks, right, and we uh, get to Twin Peaks: The Return. And Jim I, Belushi did, I, just, I had no idea he's in it. And he's got, he's got a kind of prominent role that just keeps reoccurring. He's one of these like gangsters. And uh, it's such a like, it's so bad. The whole, like <laughs> the whole part, but it's easily my favorite part about that season because it's just like with repetition, bad things can just become funny. Right. And it's like, almost like I feel like David Lynch with, especially with Twin Peaks to return, starts doing things that are so ridiculous just to fuck with people, I feel like. And I feel like that's part of his career. He does things that are just so ridiculous, that are so, like, just, like, repetition of things that are just, like, fucking not funny to, to a point where it just becomes funny. And there's this whole thing where, like, Kyle McLaughlin's character, like, you know, because at the end of Twin Peaks, he goes into the black room, and then he comes back, like, in Twin Peaks The Return, and he's, like, a fucking, like, vegetable. He doesn't, like he's he's fried he just doesn't know what's going on and he's like uh people think he's this man named dougie um who's like works for some insurance company and dougie i guess has always been a bit weird as well uh because he is technically i think like spoilers like a weird clone of 
Kyle McLaughlin. I don't know. It's, oh, what the it kinda, fuck? It kind of doesn't make sense. It's like a lot of this shit, it's fucking David Lynch. But anyway, uh, Jim Belushi plays like one of these mob men with this other guy and they're like brothers or whatever. And it's just like these series of like, mis- I don't know, like mistaken identity bullshit just kind of playing around. But like Jim mm. Belushi is so fucking funny in that show. Like, and I just had no idea that I would love him. Like he's one of my favorite bits of the third series. Of <laughs> he's so funny. Like the whole thing with the mob guys and they just love Dougie. And it's like, like fucking, um, uh, Naomi Watts, like every line she says, and this is what I mean by, I think it's just repetition just becomes funny. She just can't not say Dougie with every line. She's like, constantly saying Dougie 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 Dougie, Dougie. <laughs> it's like every line Dougie please come here Dougie ball Dougie Dougie and me and Julie were just like laughing our asses off we we're like why is this funny it's like it's so annoying but it's so funny um uh, yeah there's just some love for Jim De- Jim Belushi uh Tom Davis and Al Frank Franken who are two like SNL people um I guess probably around the same time as, Al like, Franken Eddie Murphy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Al Franken, you know, ended up becoming like a senator, right? Yeah, until... Yeah, until he like was part of the whole... Was he in the Me Too thing or was he pre-Me Too? I I can't remember. Pre-Me Too. Might have been pre. Yeah, he got... But he got in trouble for sexual harassment. He kind of got... Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it was very much strange because he would like a lot of his stuff on it. No one kind of politically driven and then he would actually go into politics like another person we know. <laughs> that we won't mention. Um, <laughs> He's had enough time. <laughs> He's had enough time on this show, damn it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah no, uh, these guys are funny, though. I really like their like, arguing. Well, it's my turn. You know, sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. You know? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so funny. Really funny. I actually just love, I was thinking about it. Like, I love when films just go to random characters that just appear out of nowhere that make no yeah, sense. Yeah, and let them have their own. And let them thing. have a weird moment where they're just arguing about something that makes no sense <laughs> it's like okay cool uh yeah you mentioned frank oz he plays a cop in the film we get bo diddley playing the pawnbroker uh, yeah, he's like yeah. that watches that watches on fire it's so hot <laughs> <laughs> and we get ron taylor is, is literally credited as big black guy and then former <laughs> football player even bigger black guy <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to write down his name, but he's the uh, former yeah. football player who just says, yeah, 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 <laughs> fucking Ellie right, right outside. Yeah. Didn't I tell you the phone in my limousine? But- <laughs> and of course, one of the people who's in the prison and cell as well. We already did a little mention earlier, but Giancarlo Esposito plays yeah. uh, the cellmate who obviously would go on to play Gustavo Fring in uh, Breaking Bad. But also do the right thing. He's in that as well. He's uh, had a fun, nice little fun career. But obviously, Gustav oh, yeah. is like yeah. the biggest. It's the role he's still do. playing. Yeah, yeah, obviously. And then he, yeah, he, he's even in Star Wars <laughs> the extended universe. The he's still playing Gustav. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the film was shot in Philadelphia, New York, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. The crew spent 15 days doing a stereo shooting in Philadelphia, and it was decided that. Uh, to be set in Philadelphia because of his connections to the founding of the United States, the American dream, and the idealism of the pursuit of happiness. This was tempered by introducing Billy Ray Valentine as a black man begging on the street. Um, but the interiors of the Duke and Duke offices and other Philadelphia locations were actually all shot in New York City. 
And on the last day of production, March the 1st, 1983, filming concluded on a beach in the U.S. Virgin Islands. What a way to end. What a way to end the movie and what a way yeah. to end your shoot. Yeah. I don't like, I feel like that ending gets done a lot. Obviously, it was in office space. It's sort of the office space ending as well. It is. Like, yeah, yeah. They have like the on the beach. Was this the first one though? Like the. I feel like I can't. Yeah. Maybe. Celebration on the beach. But I yeah. feel like that's. Feeling good, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking good. <laughs> uh-huh. Looking good, Billy Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, initially, in the finale, the crew was supposed to shoot like where real stock traders performed with some extras at the uh, World Trade Center, which is funny. You see the World Trade Center in this film. Yeah, and they're yeah, like yeah. going into it. It's so it's surreal watching them go in because like I've been there like, you know, now um, I had never gone yeah. before, obviously, but like been there now. And it's it's man. What if it. What a fucking, yeah, what an atmosphere. Like, it's fucking weird, man. You look up and you just think about, like, how big those buildings were. And then you just, like, you're there and they have those, like, monuments there that are basically these sunken pits with, like, water running down. It's just, like, beautiful with all the names running around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The only thing is people fucking sitting around taking selfies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's still, like, a tourist attraction, which is weird because it's such a... I mean, that's how I felt when I was in Auschwitz. It was like, why are you taking photos here? Really? Yeah. I can't believe anyone would be in the mood, be like, yeah, I want to be yeah. seen here. Yeah. So many people taking photos of things that you could take, you could clearly see photos of online. Like you don't yeah. need to take a photo of this. <laughs> it's really photographed. <laughs> it's a very photographed area. Yeah, no, it's, um, <laughs> it has that, that feeling though of Auschwitz, like where like almost like your breath is taken away. It's Definitely. So no, it affected me quite a lot it's when I went. Very there. haunting being there. You could just feel it's it's like a weird atmosphere. Strange. Um, yeah, do it with me in a pop up in a film. Even yeah, decades before. Yeah, Spider Man oh. Two was supposed, to, or was it Spider Man? Spider Man Two, one? the first one. But yeah, it was in the fucking teaser trailer. Him it's like think, yeah. spinning webs between the two tra- uh, towers, yeah, yeah. and they yeah, had to yeah. take it out. So strange. Yeah. So strange all the weird things that had to be cut, like we're talking about decom in between. <laughs> and uh, you're talking about Brink. And when you say Brink, I think of extremely goofy movie. Yeah. Because for, for, for whatever reason, it's centered around like rollerblading, like inline yeah. skating or whatever. Because people, like <laughs> people like to get gnar, bro. People like get gnar, bro. Max is trying to get gnar, and Goofy comes in and he's harping on his gnar. <laughs> last, last week's episode, we were talking about all these Disney Channel films, and I start saying the word gnar, and then after we finished recording, we were kept still talking it. about decom, and I kept talking about gnar getting gnar. It's all these kids getting gnar, bro. <laughs> You're like, stop saying gnar. <laughs> but it is, then, dude. All those films center around a kid being gnar, getting gnar. trying to get that. Trying okay, to turn, achieve a level of gnar, of gnar, but then they get turned into a fucking leprechaun and they can't be gnar until they find their little lucky coin and then they can yeah. fucking ball, man. Which has happened to us all. <sighs> yeah, we've all turned but, into little 13-year-old mer boys. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it, you wish a, de- yeah. a decom. You wish? You wish. Why the kind of kid, the guy like accidentally wishes his brother away and i think it's the same kid from the kid it is yeah that's a good one that's another yeah. good one absolutely I ridiculous i kind of remember that but like i think that was a little past my time nobody's trying like to get gnar in that 
Yeah. Well, that's the problem, Phil. The classic <laughs> films, all the kids are getting gnar. But nah. then okay. when they decide okay. to not get gnar because they ran out of fucking gnar sports, <laughs> they got it went downhill. Gnar, okay. And then they try to sing a bit. And then like, okay, well, High School Musical hit. But then they're like, just fuck, waiting. man, we need you to just- keep doing these. And then Camp Rock happened. And then, you know, it was successful. You- Obviously, the Joe Bros yeah. are big, but... Yeah. Are you just waiting for the return of Nar? Yeah, dude. I'm waiting for Nar. <laughs> nah. I want, th- I want we, my kids to get Nar out there. Dude, what do they have pitch, to live for? We should do a Nar season. <laughs> the world's fucking going to shit. Kids need yeah. to get Nar. Like, what else is there to do? <laughs> okay, the point I was going to make, even yeah, something like Goosey movie, Max at the end is trying to get Nar, is yeah. competing in the final race, and, you know, like, they... They get into an accident and they like burn down this structure and it's reminiscent of the towers going down. So oh, they have wow. to like recut and reanimate the ending of that movie. And yeah. it's so strange, even something like that. Well, like, you know, Jimmy Eat World, like not being able to like release Bleed American after 9-11. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. There's something about, obviously we know because the world would change post 9-11 but like i'm more interested in like the cult like the weird pop cultural things like that that changed yeah um and this is one of them yeah i actually like forgot why i started talking about that but it was because um Get basically nar. they were going to be there in be the nar. trade center <laughs> to be nar with their fucking <laughs> with orange juice futures and nar, stuff yeah. But they apparently like distracted business activities and $6 billion of trading had to be halted. So Ooh. they had to like reschedule and film over the weekend because it was like they were distracting nah. everything. Nah, bro. <laughs> you can't, can't not here, bro. <laughs> you can't not here, bro. Take your orange juice futures and pork belly somewhere it's else, good. bro. This is our territory. We're trading silver. <laughs> Um, In 2010, using misappropriated government information for commodity markets was still not technically illegal, which I thought that sounds crazy. Like it feels like it's always been illegal to do insider trading, but I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the Eddie Murphy rule was instituted to ban the practice, which went into effect as part of the Wall Street uh, Transparency and Accountability Act of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. In trading places, the Duke brothers use insider info from not yet released USDA report of said orange juice crops. They're lowering the value and focus on buying frozen concentrate orange juice futures, which became a problem for them as Ackroyd and Murphy wrote them a fake report. And I still don't fucking understand what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Trade in Places was released in June 1983, Uh earning $120.6 million on a $15 million budget. So there you go. Well done, Eddie Murphy. Did all right. Well done, Dan Aykroyd. Well done, uh, 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 fucking, I can't remember anything. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Curtis, there we go. Well done, Don Amici, man. Fucking great. They all did well. They fucking did did it. Yeah. They did it. You did it. Congratulations. You did it. You no, made I, a movie. I mean. I you got Nara. I guess I can say it's voice stable, <laughs> but man, I love, especially like early days, John Landis stuff. Like, holy shit. But I'm saying, I guess I could say voice stable because he f- kind no. of fucked his career. Like with the whole thing with well, the Twilight Zone movie. Boy. So. Yeah, no, he can't be but a voice stable. I stalked him in the street. 
And, Did you? Uh, yeah. I, I've told this story in the podcast before, right? Like oh, he was okay. like, he walked outside, he was outside the cinema and I saw him. Oh, and yeah, I was like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah. And I followed him for a bit. And then I was just like, you're, you're John Landis, yeah. right? And he's like, yeah, who are you? And he shook my hand. <laughs> I was like, hey. oh, that's cute. It was really sweet. But yeah, yeah. it's funny. I didn't Did you kill that guy on set? And he was like, fuck you. <laughs> no, I you, did go could, out of my way because I was going home and I went out of my way to sort of that's say cool, hi. Man. I mean, John Lennon made some great stuff. They, yeah. I wouldn't call him a boy director because of that, but I would call him, I would say he's made one of my biggest boy stable movies, which is not this one. Yeah. Three Amigos. Three Amigos. <laughs> which yeah. Which is in a few years yeah, because yeah. nobody, like that kind of cult, people kind of talk about it, people like it, but nobody really knows it. Um, no, it's not big as like Trading Places or Coming to America or yeah, America Werewolf or Blues Brothers or. I also really like Oscar. Yeah, Oscar's that, fun. Oscar's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the stupid he it's stupid, shit. but it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the name. Yeah, he kind of went downhill in the 90s, obviously, but you know, whatever. I mean, he had a fucking run and a half, really. You know, like Animal House is fucking Ugh. such a classic. The Blues yeah. Brothers. An American World from London, Coming Soon, which was that documentary, mm. uh, Trading Places, Twilight Zone, the movie, which I know, but still, that's a fun film. I fucking love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was fun watching um, it. Spies Like Us, you know. I haven't seen that one. I would like Three to Three Amigos, that. like Great. Coming to America, like that's a fucking oh. crazy run, dude. And yeah. then Oscar, and then he does like, you know, Revolution in an era, Three. In a, in a sort of. In a relatively like golden era of like comedy, like studio comedy, he like made some of the best ones, some of the ones that like yeah. really stood the test of time and people still sort of talk about. And like it's just more impressive now because it's less and less a thing Hollywood seemed to invest in, in comedy. Yeah. Um, so it's always nice to just go and watch like a straight up comedy and he was one of the best to do it. And they all, they all are, everybody in it. Yeah. I mean, and also was thinking earlier in the episode because I was thinking about like you were talking about Richard Pryor and then, I, you know, obviously Eddie mm. Murphy. And then after that, you would have like Chris Rock became a big yeah. thing for a Rock, bit and he was doing Chappelle, his own films. Yeah. Chappelle, although Chappelle didn't have as big of a movie career. Um, no, but he had a huge show and then he quit. Fact, yeah, after he kind of disappeared and then his films like particularly like, dirt, um, not Dirty Work. Uh, um, what was that huh. film? Uh, half baked, half baked. Yeah. yeah, became more of a cult classic. But yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. It's just like his, it, like they don't make films like they don't make com good comedy films anymore. They just don't like they don't trust it anymore. Obviously, mm. because everything has to be a superhero sequel. Blah blah blah. And it's kind of nice that like I I feel bad that like the film that's kind of getting the brunt of it right now is the one that happens to be starring women and stuff like. Uh, the, yeah, the Marvel's yeah, yeah. movie, but you know, like I don't, I no, I've not seen the new Captain Marvel film. I'll probably, probably won't see it anytime soon. I will eventually not, watch, it, watch it, but it, I'm yeah. not, not going out of my way to watch it because of their women. Like, fuck off. No, the people no. are getting crazy about that. Fuck off. No, you I think, I think their problem is like a fucking, it's the shit they've always been doing. Like, it's yeah. always, I think the, a problem that's always been there with Marvel and that's just like now it finally caught up with them and, they, yeah. they're, and they're blaming it on shit like that. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. People don't but like it's women. It's been like the, last, like, no, like the last two always, years have been yeah. like just shitty movie after yeah. shitty movie. Yeah, you've like, always sort than, of, exactly. You, you ran the well dry, man. It's like, yeah. it's over. And you've we need 
to go back to good classic comedies and especially like the ones and this is what I meant by like you know I was talking about like Pryor, Murphy, Chris Rock like like they need to like just good black comedians as well like you know yeah, I, I guess you know Kevin Hart had a Kevin little Hart, run as well I, I didn't never really liked his films um and also like, Kevin Hart was still being like you know homophobic in a time where you should probably not be homophobic anymore. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but, but back, yeah, but back, but like, it, but back in the day, you had not just could you had Martin Lawrence and Chris Tucker, yeah, and Martin like, Lawrence. Lo, like, it was just this thing of like it's same era as well. We've talked about it where like Bruce Lee or not sorry Bruce Lee, like Jackie Chan or Jet Li or Lucy Liu could open a movie, and now it's so yeah. rare for stars like that to be given that opportunity. There's no investment on that level and they're there like there's obviously you know, loads of like young up-and-coming comedians and actors and stuff that are just there just waiting for an opportunity and but like the sort of thing we see is very homogenized even though it's yeah. sort of trying to appear more diverse still i don't know it's yeah. strange it's just strange that i can't that yeah and it, well they I, don't I think give if, these people opportunities that where they can really shine they just stick like them and stick them in thing fucking star wars or a For fucking sure, yeah. superhero or a marvel film. movie yeah like camille and johnny is really funny but no let's just make him like a funny in guy eternal. in the fucking in like eternal yeah yeah the eternals i was thinking of the star wars shit he was in the you know kenobi. oh yeah he's an obi-wan he yeah, obi yeah, kenobi but it's just like dude just let these people like do what they're good at inside of fucking vehicles for them i mean you know i guess camille and johnny like did have a film or two as well but still that's like, the thing it's like we need more hard, i don't want it to be to like make. these made for fucking netflix things or whatever yes, like, just like usually put fun. them in felt like theaters man give people Which, options to see good fucking comedies again like well i was watching i was watching thing the other night uh like 21 jump street and that's not yeah. a great like modern comedy and that's even that and that's like the best version of that like reboot legacy fucking sequel shit yeah. Um, but it's just even that felt that like the last of a sort of dying like era at that time, like the two thousands was a great point for comedy just I know you feral movies and shit. You wanted to say it, it was it felt it felt like an Eddie Kingston. Last of a dying breed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, anytime someone says no, last of the dying something, I'm yeah. always like instantly thinking of Eddie Kingston. Yeah. Which no, anyone should. It, great. It, it feels like that because even those people like the Jonah Hill, the Rogan, the Will Ferrell, the Apatow, they grew yep. up and they stopped making that shit. And then like, there's just, they've not been the next. And they took over from the Sandlers and the Mike yeah. Myers and like those people. And like, where was the next group, right? Like it just, it just sort of, and I think a big problem with like, because a lot of these big movies that take up space, Marvel movies and shit are basically comedy. So that's where people yeah. get it, and they don't, and they. Yeah. I wish they wouldn't, because they. That's a problem with them, because they're all the same, lighthearted, like no stake kind of thing. Where it's like, yeah. why am I even watching this? But yeah, they're just so, all the same yeah. movie. Like, would <laughs> would you? Okay, we did just have coming to America. Yeah. Would you see for Amazon Prime made for, for Prime? Amazon, yeah, <laughs> but would you? Yeah, would you see this? And and Eddie Murphy finally doing a new Beverly Hills Cup. Oh Hollywood. yeah, yeah. I saw pictures of it, and he looks the same. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love Eddie Murphy. Anytime love he's doing something new, holy exactly. shit! Exactly. Would you Even watch if a, it's sequel? a sequel? Yeah. Would you watch a sequel to this? Yeah. I don't know what you would I mean, do. I don't know what they would do, but yeah, I'd rather I'd be more interested. Mainly, 
it is that nostalgia thing. And I know I'm kind of making fun of Bitcoin. I'm making fun of like the nostalgia stuff here, but like, you know, I like Eddie Murphy. So yeah, anytime you can get Eddie Murphy into something, is it needed? No, you can give him something different to do. Like fucking holy shit. Dolomite was amazing. Just, I'd rather just see him in more shit like that. And I hope we do get that. But yeah, I've been saying it for a while. Like, Fucking let the softy brothers have Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Go dude. nuts. Go nuts. Yeah, or someone dude. like that. Like just a young director who's got like some fucking like cool outside the More park ideas, man. Like, like what Wes Anderson did with Bill Murray. Yeah, like dude. What Safty did for Sandler. Yeah. Even a Sandler, I know Sandler had done dramatic shit with PTA and stuff, but like I yeah, I want to see that again. Or just the just yeah, give young guys opportunities with like established people just see what happens maybe we have to do it <laughs> yeah i could do it i'll make a movie with eddie murphy yeah. you could you're so great you're gonna be a star <laughs> yeah fucking bowfinger bowfinger just, bowfinger too <laughs> that's a boy movie man dude bowfinger bowfinger a lot so funny so good next year we'll talk about bowfinger we'll do it we'll do it yeah. we'll do we'll, we'll get all of these out we'll do yeah boy stable slash film john can't stop talking about should it just be called the boy stable because they're all like these films like that's yeah. it because you like basically they're films that we can't stop talking about and yeah, they're, like, yeah, yeah. they're all are like we, lesser like... things that no one ever talks about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It. that's it all right we figured it out uh we it next out. week Ooh, Naughty or Nice again. We're going to have another Naughty or Nice. What will it be? I don't know. It's up to you to decide. If you go to patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast, we've got a couple of options for next week and the week after. If you want to vote, head to patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. I believe maybe even if you're not a patron, you can vote. You could probably see the polls there next week. Yeah, what's the choice? Have a couple of 1993. We're sticking in the filiversary. Yeah, because even uh, Trade in Places was 83, so that was 40th anniversary. That's uh, my so... that's, that's, that's my brother. That's Rickiversary. <laughs> the Rickiversary. Is he an 83 boy? It's 83 boy. Wow, 10-year gap. You yeah. guys are, like, fucking close. That's surprising. That's really... Yeah, very I mean, close. it's nice. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Sometimes a 10-year gap can, like, really put some distance between siblings. Um, but, yeah, we have uh, two 93 classics. Go over to patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. You can vote between naughty film. It's, it's kind of nice, but it's it's more on the naughty side. Someone's trying to destroy Christmas. It's uh, the nightmare before Christmas. Or will the boys finally get their wish? <laughs> will they finally the boy, get to talk about, look who's talking now. now. <laughs> wow. It's a Christmas movie. We've it's never Christmas. done the first two, but... I know this is like the Adam family thing. It's going to yep. be an hour of us talking about the first two, and I don't want to watch no, them all. We won't do that because we will eventually talk about Look Who's Talking, the OG, because <laughs> and then we're, it's the Bruce, Bruce Willis, man. It's a Brucey oh, it's bonus. The Brucey. Brucey. Whereas Look Who's Talking now isn't because the boy's grown up and he, he can talk. Which is, oh, yeah. It's the so animals. It's the dogs. Talk. The dog. And it's Dan DeVito. Oh, fucking hell. How did those <laughs> movies get made? <laughs> the week after, week three of Naughty or Nice, the final week, because we have a special little episode coming up on, um, <laughs> on uh, the final week before we break for the new year. Ever. Um, <laughs> 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 big things are coming, guys. 
Um, it's not your nice week three, bad film, naughty film, bad Santa versus nice film. Elf. Elf. So head over there, patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. That'll be us. As I said last week, I don't check shit anymore, but you can message us on Patreon. I'll definitely see it there. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram, the PCC podcast uh, on both. I'll see it. But uh, yeah, hit, hit us up with some uh, Christmas well wishes. I don't care. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> I want to hear from you guys. I just don't really mind what you say. I'll read it out. Um, I hope it's nice stuff. But what I mean by it, I don't mind what you say is more of like, feel free to say whatever you want to say. You could say we suck. From you. you could that say that, that we suck. The films, the films, film sucks, and you haven't exactly. even seen it. You don't even I, want to fucking. You see don't even it. know. You're like, yeah, probably <laughs> shit. Your podcast, like shit. Your us talking shit. about like films we haven't seen before. Like all these Marvel films could be fucking great, but we're just talking shit about them. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them. I've seen, me, I've seen them. I know. I know. Ant Man Five fucking sucks. <laughs> it's never getting made. Just like fucking Avatar Two is never getting made. <laughs> oh god, did that joke land? Did it it's land? like a fine line. <laughs> there was a big ah, like a, oh my, I, I got you. Even Dusty turned to me and was like, "That's good. That's funny." I'm like, "Good." Was that in the script? I can't remember. I was ad libbing. It wasn't so in the script. Scene. Yeah, yeah. It I was ad libbing so much. Could, I could, think could it go? It goes into the 2019. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that ad lib landed. <laughs> Yeah. Well, although it was in the script, it was my delivery was like weird. Yeah, your delivery was different. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking Brett Goldstein. Yeah. Well, Christmas has started. If you want to see uh, Trading Places, it's at the cinema. Uh, Sunday, the 10th of December, it's playing at the Prince Charles Cinema at 8 p.m. Get your tickets at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. See? We talk about what's going on. You know? And I gave a shout out to Brett Goldstein. Brett Goldstein was on the podcast years ago. So if you want to hear about the Muppets Christmas Carol, Brett Goldstein loves that film. It's over there in the fucking back catalog somewhere back there. I don't know. It was a long time ago. It was it like, around the same time we did a Christmas story. <laughs> no, you weren't even on the podcast back then. So shut the fuck up. You liar. to them the pop